welcome to you if you are here for the first time, and especially for you moms. Uh, you know, last we, we want to honor and respect and bless you. And so if you're a mom, I know this is always a little awkward. If you're a mom, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. All right, so all the moms, go ahead and just stand up. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I know, it's a little hard to stand up. So yes, let's, uh, let's thank all these moms here. And we have a small gift we want to give to you. Last week, Pastor Jim talked about husbands presenting their wives uh, spotless and blameless. And so we want to give all the moms a little bar of soap. Uh, if your husbands are not presenting you spotless, at least you could try your best yourself. No, thank you. Thank you very much, moms. We appreciate all that you do, uh, even if we don't say often enough or ever, um, but you are much loved and appreciated. All right, did everybody get one? Yeah, excellent. Well, today we're continuing on in our series in the book of Ephesians, and you'll remember that uh, the book of Ephesians was written to a church uh, that was, com- it was a brand new community. And, and the church was made up of uh, a variety of different people, right? There's Jewish converts that were now Christians, but there's also Greeks and, 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 and uh, Romans that, that became Christians. And so in this brand new community of uh, believers, Paul is addressing how you should live. And everybody kind of had a different understanding of how they should live. There was a different understanding of what was right, what was wrong, how the, how the family should operate. And although they worshiped the same God, they trusted the same God, they had the same spirit, these differences came through in the way their households behaved. Similarly for us, the theme for us this year is we are family. As a church family, uh, we, are, we all worship the same God, but even though we have the same God, we worship the same Savior, we have the same Spirit, we all come from different backgrounds, don't we? We have some people who are born overseas, and we have people who are born uh, in the States. We have, we have people who were raised one out of ten kids, and we have only children here. We have uh, all sorts of different generational, cultural uh, differences that come together, and in the midst of this, Paul reminds us that we are a family and because we are family, there's a way that we are called to live and to relate with each other. And so today we come to a part of a passage. It's actually really challenging for me to prepare. It, it comes to a part of a passage where Paul talks to parents and talks to children. And let me just ask you a question. How many of you guys are parents? Just want to see. Okay, so maybe a little bit more than half. Okay. How many of you parents have ever had a conflict with your kids? Oh, see, now I know we're congregants of sinners. So, yeah, it's okay. We'll confess later. So uh, the passage that, we, that, that Paul's gonna, uh, we're going to be looking at today actually talks about the conflicts that we see between uh, parents and children. So uh, let me pray. Actually, before I pray, if you, if you just walked in late, I noticed I saw Elsie and Tiffany. Uh, we have a gift for you, so just make sure you get a gift on the way out, okay? Um, <laughs> sorry for singling you out. <laughs> I just realized that afterwards. Let me pray, and then we'll just dive right into today's scripture, okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for blessing us with our moms and with our dads, with our children, but especially with this family. 
as we strive and we struggle, as we uh, contend with what it means to be a family, God, I pray that your word would speak to us. Uh, we want to be a family that reflects uh, the fact that we are united in our shared faith, in a shared father, in a shared eternity. So God, would you cause our hearts to be tender right now towards you? And would your word uh, cause us to come alive? We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So we're talking about parents and children. If you have a Bible, yes, I, I um, totally blatantly ripped off Warner Brothers. If you have a Bible, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at the first four verses. If you need a Bible, go ahead, raise your hand, and one of our ushers will bring you a Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, remember the context of what Paul is talking about as he gets into chapter 6. It, it comes just on the tail end of how do we as believers walk in wisdom? How do we live wisely? How do we uh, walk and do the things that God wants us to do, uh, the good works that he has prepared for us to do? And right before this section, there's an underlying theme that, that, that guides all of these principles, all of these relationships. And that theme is mutual submission. In Ephesians chapter 5, just a couple of verses earlier, Ephesians 5, 21 Paul reminds us that the household of God should be ruled and should be guided by this principle that we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So in order for the church family, in order for this family and your own family to work well together, there needs to be this idea of submitting to one another, not because we respect the other person necessarily, not because they have authority over us necessarily, but because we love Jesus Christ. And today we'll be looking specifically at how that impacts parents and children. So the way this sermon is structured, I'm just going to tell you because some of you may be tempted to zone out. The first half of this message is really targeted at children. All right. So some of you parents, you're like, yes, kid, listen, I'm going to I'm going to send this link over to my son or daughter. And so they'll, they'll just know. And, and you, you kids are like, oh, my gosh, I can't. You know, this this is so hard. But don't worry, because the second half of this message will talk to parents. And that's when the, the kids will be like, oh, where's mom when I need her to hear a message? I'll, I'll make sure she listens to this. Uh, but what I want to encourage you in all seriousness is as you hear this message and as we read scripture, you may be thinking for someone else. You may be thinking for mom or dad, or you may be thinking for son or daughter. But I really pray that you will just hear what God is saying to you in your current situation, whether you're a parent or a child. All right. So here's the first command that Paul gives. The first command is children, obey your parents. Pretty straightforward, right? It seems like there's not much to say here. Children, obey your parents. So how many of you guys are children? All right, very good. So that's kind of a trick question. You're all children, right? Like we're all children. And so this command actually applies uh, to, to all children. And, and the command literally is obey your parents, and some of us are, are squirming a little, and we're thinking, well, is this like a suggestion? 
Like, is this just a general guideline that we should follow? Like, what does Paul mean uh, when he says, obey? Because, you know, honestly, my mom and dad, they just don't understand me. They don't understand the stress I'm going through. They don't understand how much pressure I have at school. They don't understand the drama that's going on with all my friends. And you know what? They, they were born somewhere else, and they don't know the cultural uh, challenges that I face. And yet Paul says, even in this context, obey children, obey your parents. So let's just be honest here. How many of you guys have a hard time, have ever had a hard time obeying your parents? Let's see Raise a hand. Some of you guys are like great children. I, I see like Kevin, he's never had a problem. He's just like, his parents are wonderful. I know his parents. They, they really are wonderful. So here's, here's, the, here's what Paul is saying. And he's not just talking to young children, but he is using a very particular word here. He's talking, uh, using this word technon, which actually refers to relationship. It doesn't really matter how old or young you are, though primarily it does refer to young children. The emphasis here is on a child who is dependent, living in willful dependence on, on a parent. And so he's talking to specifically young children, but anyone who is still dependent upon his parents. So, you know, if you're, if you're not a young child, but you're in junior high, you're living with your parents. Or if you're in college and you're living with parents and mom and dad is still paying your tuition, your rent. Maybe you're a young adult and you're, you're, you're still uh, depending on your parents. The idea here is anyone who's living in a willful dependence upon their parents, he's saying specifically to you, but in general to all children, obey your parents. And it's really hard, isn't it? Because as people, we have our own desires. We have our own wants, we have our own dreams, we have our own plans, and oftentimes they don't line up with what mom and dad has for us. They don't line up with the dreams mom and dad has for us. They don't line up with the priorities that mom and dad have for us. And oftentimes it's really hard to obey our parents. So what does Paul mean when he says obey? Does does that simply mean, well, you know, just listen to them? The word obey, it's actually an interesting word. It actually means to stand under, to listen under. It's a military term that, that uh, a, a commanding officer would tell the soldier and said, this is what I want you to do. It, it comes from these, this, it's this Greek word, but it means literally to hear or to listen under someone else's authority. There's a beautiful passage that really illustrates what this word obey means. Uh, one day in Matthew chapter 8, one day Jesus is out with his disciples and they're out on a boat. And the storm comes along, waves are crashing over the boat. The disciples are, are getting kind of worried about this. Jesus, of course, is totally calm. He's taking a nap and he's sleeping. And disciples wake him up and say, Hey, Master, we're going to die. Why aren't you worried at all? Right? And Jesus responds to them, You guys, you guys of, of, of little faith, why, why are you so scared? Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? The idea here is when someone speaks, you do. There's no hem, there's no ha, there's no, uh, well, let's negotiate a little. It is literally to obey. And here Paul is commanding children, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to obey our parents. We are called to do what they ask, when they ask, how they ask. That's the command here. But notice the modifier here, and, and I think this is very important. 
He's saying, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. And this phrase, in the Lord, it changes everything. We're not obeying our parents because some of us, we think, well, my, my parents don't understand. My parents just don't know. They, they didn't go to school here. They, they didn't have to grow up here. And what Paul is reminding us is when we obey our parents, we are in fact obeying Christ. Our obedience to our parents is not because of our parents' sake primarily, but it's because of our obedience to Jesus Christ. And you may think, well, you know, what mom and dad is saying is not fair. What mom and dad is telling me to do is not something I want to do. What mom and dad is saying, you know, that, that's just crazy. And Paul says, but you're obeying Jesus. You're obeying Jesus and you're walking in the good works that Jesus has prepared for you before you were even born when you obey your parents. Sometimes we leave our kids with grandma, grandpa. Sometimes we leave them with uh, my sister. And before we leave, inevitably, I don't know why I do this. Maybe some of my parents said this to me. I will say to one of them or both of them, I say, you know, Kaya, Mika, I want you to obey grandma, grandpa. Okay. And when I come back, I'm going to ask them if you obeyed them. So whether or not they like grandma, grandpa, the fact that they're obeying them is because I asked them to obey. In a similar way, whether you respect mom and dad or you even agree with mom or dad, when we obey our parents, it is an act of obedience to Jesus Christ. You got it? So next time mom says, you know, honey, take out the trash, or dad says, hey, go, you know, study, study for your AP test. I guess that's mostly over. You know, say, man, I don't want to do this. But just remind yourself, I'm doing this because I love Jesus Christ, and I'm doing this as an act of faith towards Jesus Christ. Now, uh, just as a caveat, because I think some people will say, but what if mom and dad tell me to like, do something that's wrong? This isn't a blanket statement to obey, right? This is, we, we still uh, submit ourselves ultimately to God. So if mom and dad says, hey, I want you to worship Satan and not God, it's like, well, that's pl- pretty clearly against Scripture. So we're not going to do that. But by and large, Paul here is saying, if you want to walk in wisdom, if you want the family to look like the way that God designed it, obey mom and dad. And here's the reason why. The reason why we obey our parents is because this is the way that God designed creation. And he goes all the way back uh, to the Old Testament, to the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. And he says, this is God's original design for how society should work. That we are all under authority to somebody else. We are all in submission to someone else. And ultimately, we are under authority to God. And when children practice obedience to their parents... It is a reflection of God's creation and God's design. When we practice obedience, we are reflecting the order of God's creation. When we practice obedience, we're reminding ourselves, there is somebody above me, right? Because at the heart of every person, we want to be God, don't we? We want to be in control. We want to make those decisions. But when we practice obedience, especially as a young child, we're reminding ourselves or we're teaching ourselves, we're disciplining ourselves there is somebody above me. There's someone greater than me. Whether it's mom, dad, but ultimately it should point to God. And Paul goes back to the Ten Commandments. He says, honor your father and mother. Now notice, the Ten Commandments actually doesn't say obey. Right? The Ten Commandments simply says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And Paul says, look, 
I'm, I'm not just telling you to do this because we're living in the first century and we have all these different cultures. I'm telling you, this is God's original plan. This is God's original design. And the principle here is all children need to honor their parents. Right? And he applies it. He says, specifically younger children, dependent children, you must obey your parents, but all children, it doesn't matter how old you are. Honor your parents. Give worth. Give weight. Recognize the things that your parents do. And honor, it's really an attitude. It's not simply an action. John MacArthur says this, honor is the attitude behind the act. The act is obedience, but the honor is the attitude. Remember that an act without the proper attitude is hypocrisy. If you do what your parents tell you to do, but you hate it and you're unwilling and nasty about it, then you're a hypocrite. If you do what your parents tell you to do, but you're bitter and fearful and reluctant and selfish, well, that's not the right spirit either. God is after the attitude much more than he's after the act. Because if the attitude is right, the act will follow. But a right act with a wrong attitude is nothing but hypocrisy. And so what Paul does is he takes this principle, all children honor your parents, and he says, for young children, here's the application. Here's what that looks like in your life. You obey them. You do the things that they tell you to do. But the bigger idea, the bigger principle here is our heart attitude should be to give them honor, to give them respect. Tim Keller says honor is a decision to treat your parents with dignity, and with courtesy. And it's also a decision to provide long-term loyalty to their best interests. All children, we are called to honor our parents. And, And he also says, you know, if you do this, there's a promise that's attached to it. If you listen to God's word and listen to God's design, there's a promise that you will receive God's blessings and God's protection. Uh, the, the commandments actually says that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. It's kind of interesting because it's almost as if Paul is saying, if you want to live a long life, right, obey your parents, honor your parents. And this isn't a blanket promise. This is an absolute promise because clearly we know there are people who honor their parents who pass away at a young age. But the principle is your parents love you, your parents care for you, your parents want the best for you, and no parent wants to bury their child. And they want to share with you their wisdom and their experience and even their mistakes so that you don't have to suffer and go through that. As a young uh, child, or as a young child, my parents would tell me, Dean, you got to look across the street before you cross. It's like, well, that's dumb. (laughs) Why do I need to look? If I walk, everything else should stop, right? And I walk and, you know, I actually many times, I've I've nearly been uh, killed by cars. But, you know, it's because they give you wisdom and they tell you this is what wise living looks like. Like, Dean, stop playing with matches in the house because what's going to happen is you're going to burn down the house. I went, that's just dumb. Matches are so small. Houses are so big. I'm just going to start playing with matches. I've only set our house on fire like once or twice. But, you know, like they give you these instructions because they want you to know there's a wiser way to live. And I want you to live long. And God says, if you listen to his commandments, if you honor your mother and your father, if you obey your parents, It's not a magical formula that you will live forever. But the principle is that you will receive God's blessings from your parents. So whether you're young or old, I want to speak to all children now. 
right? How can you honor your parents, right? Just jot some ideas down in your, in your um, outline. How you honor your parents will look different from person to person. You remember when um, Esther, uh, in, in the book of Esther, the king says, how do you honor this man? Right? And, and they said, well, you know, if you put a horse in front of him and you have a crier in front of him and everybody says, this is how the, how the king honors those he loves. Uh, everybody has different ways of being honored. For some of your parents, it may mean, for some of your parents, it may mean simply just saying, hey, uh, I have this problem in my life and I think you have some wisdom that you can offer. Would you give me some advice? acknowledging that perhaps we don't know everything. For some of us, it might mean esteeming them in public. Right? It might be saying, hey, you know, l- let me just tell you all how great my mom is. Let me just tell you all how great my dad is. For some of your parents, they won't like that. And they'll, they'll just want a, a thoughtful card that, uh, that reflects that you appreciate what they've done. For some of us, perhaps as we transition into young adulthood, it may be uh, seeking their wisdom before making decisions. And say, well, I know I I can make this decision on my own, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. For some of us, it might mean helping our parents with technology. This this is actually kind of a funny one because you think it's it's easy. It's not. It's not easy on both sides of the... (laughs) It's like, ah, I've already showed you how to turn on your phone. I don't understand why you got to, you know, like, I don't know why your printer's not connected to the Wi-Fi, but I will honor you and I will go over and I'll show you again. For some of (laughs) us, I'm just speaking from experience. For some of us, as we get older, it might mean supporting them, caring for them, visiting them. How you honor your parents will look different for every individual. For some of us here, we have no idea. Like, I don't know how mom wants to be honored. I don't, I, I can guess right? Probably they don't want another tie or probably they don't want another flower, but just ask them, how, you know, mom, what do I do that makes you feel special? What do I say or what can I do? And, you know, I think for most parents here, we would be like, ah, we, you know, I don't, you don't have to do anything. Just study hard. (laughs) But ask them, like, what, what, what have I done in the past that made you feel really special? Because I want you to know that I, I honor you and I respect you. I may not always do everything you ask me to do, right? but, but I want to respect you. Children, obey and honor your parents. So the second part of this passage, Paul now gets into the parents. And he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And in this particular verse it's kind of interesting because all this while he's been talking to about both parents but here he uses a word that perhaps can refer to both parents but it specifically is a word that refers to fathers right so i think there is an emphasis on dads here but in general i think the general principle is it does uh, uh, imply both parents and i think the reason he does this that he addresses dad is because dads you have a primary place in God's creation, to raise your family. Paul here is reminding us as fathers and fathers-to-be, your job is to raise up your children spiritually. That responsibility is shared with both parents, but ultimately, dads, we need to take responsibility. And sometimes, sometimes we, you know, as dads, we think, well, 
that's, um, that's a children's ministry job. We drop our kids off at children's ministry or, you know, like Minister Stacy, she's doing a great job. And, you know, Teacher Tim, he's doing a great job. Or we think Pastor Yuji, you know, Pastor Yuji, his job is to teach our kids spirituality. Paul reminds us, no, no, no. Parents, it's your job. Specifically, dads, be the dad because you're the ones that God has put in charge. And here Paul gives two instructions, one that's negative and one that's positive. And the first one is, do not provoke your child to anger. Dads, don't provoke your child to anger. All right, so let, let's, let's confess here. How many dads have ever made their child angry? All right, so some of you guys clearly have like perfect children. Like, I, you know, you can't help it. That, that's just a given, right? Those of you in the nursery, I don't know if you guys are listening, you know, like you have infants and the milk is a little too hot. You know, your 10-pound baby wants to kill you. They, they, they can't because they're 10 pounds. But, you know, like you forget to change a diaper, you know, it's just a diaper and they, they're just ready to murder you. Like kids get angry, but Paul here is saying, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And actually, the, there's a passage in Colossians that actually uh, is, is very similar and says, uh, to the point of discouragement. And the word for anger, because we all make our kids angry, but the word here, the idea here is an anger that leads to a rebellion. It, it's a settled disposition of resentment. And like I mentioned in Colossians, it's to the point of discouragement. And what Paul here is saying is, dads, as you father your children, don't provoke them, don't... Uh, goad them until they're so upset that there is this attitude of rebellion, not just against you, but against every single authority, right? And, and just a little context here, because I, it doesn't really quite make sense in our day. In the days that Paul was writing in ancient Rome, the father ruled supreme. The father had absolute right over the lives of his children. He could tell his child to work in the field in chains if he wanted to. He could abandon his child. He could say, you know, I don't want this child. Leave them on the, on the side of the road. He could actually decide whether or not his child lives. He could say, this child is not mine. I, I, I don't want him anymore. And he can die. In ancient Rome, uh, the father had absolute power over the lives of his children. And along comes this new community of believers, of Christ followers. And they speak of this loving heavenly father that would lay down his own life for his children. And they're saying, well, how does that look in our lives? This mutual submission to the, to the point of laying down their lives. And Paul reminds us, this is how fathers should love their children, right? Don't provoke your child to the point of absolute rebellion. Don't provoke your child to the point of anger. And sometimes we do this when we're overly harsh with our children. Sometimes we do this when we, 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 we're controlling over our children or we manipulate them or we nag them constantly or we, we, we tell them, you got to do this, you got to be better. Sometimes we, we publicly humiliate them. Right? Sometimes we do this uh, when we set unrealistic goals for them. Say, well, how come you're not number one? How come you're not getting straight A's? How? Sometimes we do this when we show favoritism. Right? No matter how hard they try, they're always the second best. Sometimes we do this by, by never praising them or we, we don't acknowledge their strengths. Sometimes we do this when we neglect them or we don't care about them. Sometimes we do this when we don't nourish them physically or spiritually 
or even emotionally. And the command that Paul reminds us, dads, is bring them up, here's a positive aspect, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And the idea here is you need to nourish and nurture your children. You need to disciple your child so that daily they receive instructions from God. Daily they receive God's word. There's this daily feeding of what it means to be a follower of God. At the heart of every parent should be a teacher. Our jobs as moms and dads is to raise children who will know and love God. That, that's the goal. That's the end goal. And, and so many times, and, and you know, now that I'm a, a parent, I, I remember when I first came here uh, as a youth pastor, I sat in front of, I think it was like either Senzo Fellowship or another fellowship, and they're asking me all these questions about raising kids. And after a while, I was like, you know, honestly, I have no idea. I just like playing with your kids, but I have no idea what it's like raising kids. You guys know better than me. And, and I'm, I'm totally in this, right? I, I know the stress of being a parent, of making sure that your kid you know, takes the right classes or making sure your kid explores all the different avenues and, and all, has all these different experiences. I, I'm in that. But catch what Paul is saying is our primary job is to raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's the goal. That's, that's the end product. And some of us, we're so concerned about the wrong things. We're so concerned about where our kids will go off to college. And we're so concerned about what job they'll get or, or how quickly they're moving on up. We're so concerned with their grades. And these are all valid concerns. They are. But we're not concerned about how are they doing with God? What is their relationship with Jesus like right now? So my dad, he's, he's like this super smart guy, and, and he's a great father. I love him so much. Uh, when I was in high school, I was a horrible student, and I really struggled with chemistry. Actually, I struggled with like pretty much all my classes, but specifically math and science and English and art and you know, some, <laughs> some other stuff. I wasn't even good at PE, so I don't know. I, I'm not sure what high school was all about. But I remember in high school science, I was like, Dad, I'm, I'm doing horrible, right? Like, you, you could only hide it for so long, but they get these report cards, progress reports. So he's like, Dean, I, I see your progress report here. And I'm like, Dad, I'm doing horrible. It's like, yeah, I, I clearly see that. It's like, well, why are you doing that? I was like, I have no idea what chemistry is all about. And my dad, he took my chemistry book. <laughs> I thought he was going to beat me over the head with it. And then he just starts reading it, right? And he's like brushing up on chemistry. So he's like, I don't know how, he's like, 30 years older than me, right? So he hasn't taken high school chemistry for 30 years. But he's like brushing up on high school chemistry and he's like trying to remember. And he's forgotten more stuff than I've ever learned. And he's trying to remember all about high school chemistry so he could tutor me in high school chemistry, right? And I, that, that's the heart of a parent. It doesn't matter if it's a dad or mom. I think we all want to see our kids do well. But how many of us as parents, we look at our kids and say, how are you doing with Jesus? How can I help your relationship with Jesus grow? Right? Sometimes I hear stories of kids that, you know, I ask my dad these, these Bible questions. I ask my mom about these Bible questions. It's like, I don't know. Go ask Pastor Yuji. <laughs> Go ask Pastor Dean. If only we had the heart to say, well, let me, let me look that up. Let me experience that too. Right? If, if a child comes and says, what does faith look like? It's like, well, let me show you. Let me explain to you how mom and dad practice our faith. And the idea here is, 
as parents, some of you guys, you're doing great jobs in so many areas. And, but Paul's reminding us, here's the most important area. Our job as parents is to raise up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's the heart of what we're called to do. Proverbs reminds us that we train a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Recently in my um, discipleship group, we've been memorizing this verse. And out of the Shema comes this, this, this reminder, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And I, I never caught this next part because everybody just reads the Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one, right? You shall teach them diligently to your children. That's part of the prayer that every Jewish person would recite three times a day. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. Dads, moms, if you want a gut check, ask your child, do I teach you the word of God diligently? I did this a couple weeks ago when we were memorizing this verse. I pulled aside Mika, uh, my younger daughter. I said, hey, Mika, you know, here's this verse. I want you to memorize it with me. We memorize it. I said, Mika, does daddy teach you diligently? Well, first she asked, well, what is diligent mean? And so I can explain that to her. And then I, she's like, well, sometimes you do. I was like, really? What about mommy? It's like, well, mommy does more. I was like, no, no, no. You must misunderstand what this word diligent means. You know, like, you might not want to hear it. But if this is the command from God, we need to just be honest and say, are we spending time with our children, raising them in the instruction and discipline of God. Specifically dads, but to parents. Now, statistically speaking, moms, Barna did this research. It's, it, you know, this is Mother's Day, so let me just uh, acknowledge all the hard work all the moms do. Moms actually lead dads in 11 out of 12 spiritual categories. So it's kind of interesting. In 12 categories that Barna did a research on, this is actually about a decade old, out of 12 categories, moms lead dads, right? Last week, Pastor Jim was talking about how we have these great sisters here and we have these men brothers here, right? I think in general, moms are more nurturing and more uh, emotionally connected with the children. So when they did this survey, they led 11 out of uh, 12 categories. You guys all watch Crazy Rich Asian? Ironically, or, not, or coincidentally, this is uh, the, the scene where she's She's having a Bible study, and she's actually reading from this passage, Ephesians 6. Uh, totally un- unconnected. And so, moms, great job, right? If you look at our church, moms are the ones who are more, more, more likely to volunteer in Sunday school classes. Moms are the ones who are more likely to read Bibles at bedtime or pray at dinners. Uh, but here's the thing. Because there's been multiple studies that show that although moms are like just outpacing dads, right, in 11 out of 12 categories, the faith of the father is perhaps even more important than moms in the transmission of their their faith. So I don't know if this will come out well. There's a study actually uh, done more recently, a couple years ago. It says if both fathers and mothers attend church regularly. Now, now I know attending church is not the be-all and end-all, but it's kind of interesting. If both mothers and fathers attend church regularly, 33% of the children will also end up, when they grow up, uh, to attend church regularly. And 41% will attend irregularly. So like three-quarters will still be going to church, sort of. If the father is irregular and the mother is regular, 
Only 3% of the children will subsequently become regular attenders themselves, while 60% will become irregulars. Right? So that means about 38, just under 40% of children will no longer go to church if the father is an irregular attender. If the mom, right, if the father is a non-practicing or doesn't go to church at all, if, but mom is regular, only 2%, what catch this? If only mom brings you to church, uh, this, this study shows that only 2% will actually go to church regularly and 37% will go somewhat regularly uh, when they grow up. So that means 60% of all children will be lost. But notice this, if a dad goes to church and the mom doesn't go at all, or even if the mom goes irregularly, if the, if the mom goes irregularly, the kids are 38% uh, likely to go to church up to 60% uh, if, uh, to go irregularly, right? The faith of the father, and, and, and all, all this shows is, is the faith of the father is important, right? The impact of the father is important. And so dads, I'm begging, I'm pleading with you as fathers, invest into your child's life spiritually. Ask them how they are doing uh, with their relationship with Jesus Christ, Ask them how they're doing with the word of God, if they understand, if, if, if there's things that they need to, uh, you need to help them with. And we know ultimately, as parents, it's really up to the Holy Spirit and our children uh, to make these decisions. But we want to do all that we can so that they will find this faith appealing and beautiful and will desire it ourselves. We want to do the best that we can to nourish and nurture our children towards God. So the question for us as parents is, how are we doing? Right? How are you doing as a parent? How are you doing uh, raising your children in the instruction and discipline of the Lord? For some of us as parents, there's some confessing we need to do. Right? We, we, need to, we need to confess, like, God, I, I've kind of been blowing this. I, I've been putting the wrong priorities, and I've been, I've been emphasizing the wrong things. And, and we just need to confess, not just to God, but maybe even to our kids. Some of us, we, we had to confess and say, man, I, I really embittered my child's heart by the way I've acted, by the way I've behaved, by the way I've treated them. Yeah, it's no wonder my child hates me and hates God and hates the church. And, and, and if that's you, I, I just want to give you hope because there's always hope, right? Because our God is a, a God of the impossible things. Just ask God, God, would you change my child's heart? Would you give me a new chance? For some of us, man, the, the Spirit's just convicting us and we haven't really made our relationship with our children's relationship with God a priority. We kind of just drop them off at Sunday school and we pick them up or we drop them off at youth group or VBS. And we think, well, Pastor Yuji, he's got it. Or, you know, Minister Stacy, she's got it. God's telling us, make this a priority. So a couple practical pointers to parents. What can we do? You know, it might be weird, especially, you know, if you've never done this. But one thing you could do today, just after church, is ask your child, how's your faith? What are you learning at church? That, 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 that's probably the, one of the easiest questions to ask. What did you learn today in church? And what does that mean? And not just, you know, I, you always hear the stories. It's like, what, what does that mean to you? How does that change your life? You know, let me tell you how that changed my life. Don't just settle for those one-word answers. You know, now that I have kids in school, 
I realized that there's a relationship between the parent and the teacher. And, you know, like there's, there's parents who are constantly emailing their teachers saying, how's my child doing? How's my child doing? You know, if you're a parent here, email your kid's Sunday school teacher, right? We have some great volunteers who are teaching and they're trying their very best to say, hey, how's my kid doing in your Sunday school class? How's my kid doing in the children's ministry? How's my kid doing in youth group? And just say, How, what can I do? You got any suggestions? How can we work together in this? For some of us as parents, it's time to take an honest look at our own spiritual life. And perhaps for some of us, the reason we don't ask is we don't have much of a spiritual life either. And maybe we just go through the motions. And for some of us, this is a wake-up call. Say, well, we want this for our kids, but do we really want this for ourselves? And we need to confess and say, God, would you light a fire in my heart again? Would you cause me to grow and to love you and to know you? A couple next steps for both children and parents. Children, how can you honor your parents? I, I don't want these to be just hypothetical questions, rhetorical questions. Just write something down. What is one thing that you can do this week that will honor your parents? Maybe it's to take them out to eat. I don't know. Eating is a big deal in my family. Maybe it's just calling them. Say, hey, how are you doing? How can you honor and obey your parents this week? Do it. Parents, spend time this week investing into your child's spiritual life. I already gave some suggestions. We all have these plans for our kids, right? We say, well, here's, you know, you do two years or three years in middle school, four years in high school, four years, five, six, whatever, in college, right? As much money as we can afford. And then you got the job. That's the plan. Do we make a plan for our kids? Do we say, this is the end product. This is what I want you to look like, someone who loves Jesus intimately. Spend some time this week investing into your child's spiritual life. For some of us, that just means sharing with them. It's like, hey, do you know how daddy and mommy came to know the Lord? Do you know some of the struggles we, came, we had and we had to pray? And this is how God answered. What are some of the things that you pray for? How can I pray with you? And that's the final one. Share some of the spiritual struggles and, and questions that you have with each other. And it's okay if you, you're like, I don't know. You know, they, they ask you a question. I don't know. I don't know where the dinosaurs all went. But you know what? I believe in a God and I'm going to figure this out and we'll figure it out together. I don't know if it really is better to give than to receive, but you know what? We'll take all your allowance and we'll give and we'll see what happens. Spend some time with your children investing into their spiritual life. Because if we want this family of God and not just our own family, if we want the family of God to grow, we need to understand that God designed the family to work a certain way, to be a certain way for children to honor and obey their parents, and for parents to raise their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful, Lord, that you have given us a design for our families and much more than our families, but our church family. We thank you that you've given us parents to love us, to care for us, and as imperfect as they are, uh, we thank you that ultimately we have a Heavenly 